0: Head over there. I'm trying to rack my brain why eight years ago when I hired Pastor Kevin, why I did not ask if he played euchre or not. How do you live in Michigan and not play euchre? Goodness gracious. Uh, some of you are like, how do you, you don't even know how to spell euchre. You got to learn euchre and we will have not just prayers for peace before those games, but we will have prayers for reconciliation after they're over. Uh, I'm a little intense about euchre. But uh, welcome to our series. We're doing a series called Tears. And uh, we began last week, just had a powerful end of the service. Um, I think it's just a fantastic, uh, just a moment of healing for people's hearts. And so today, uh, when we began performing the series eons ago, This was a service I knew that was really heavy on my heart because I wanted to attack this series. And so uh, I decided instead of a simple message today, I wanted to have a conversation in front of you. And uh, one of the people that I enjoy talking about, I almost said, when I think about grief, I think about this person. That's not that's going to come off weird. Um, but when talking through grief, there's one person that I have leaned into for years and that has been my father. And so I'm going to ask for my dad, Hal Berenger, if he would come up, can we give him a hand? And I thought I'd invite Dad to come up and have a conversation about about grief. Scripture says in Psalm 6, 8, Go away, all of you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. When we are in a place of emotional distress, when we are in a place where our hearts are grieving, the Lord hears our tears. And some of you, you may not have gone through any recent loss. Maybe you have, but... Can I just say that over the course of the past two years, I think our nation is grieving. I think families grieving, business owners grieving, looking at what has transitioned politically, what things that have been happening all across the world, the, the, the normal that we've been talking about that we've lost for the past couple years. Uh, I think that we, we could say we've got a very angry culture around us and I wonder if our culture is not angry as much as our culture is grieving. And so I thought it was to be a fantastic conversation. So um, I mean, outside of my father, I don't know anybody, this may sound weird, I don't know anybody who's done as many funerals as you've done. Um, he spent over three decades at Lakeside uh, Assembly of God doing uh, a lot of associate pastor work, doing a lot of funerals. And I was asking him about his first few funerals. And I said, you know, what are your memories? And he's like, Yeah, I don't have any. And then I'm like, you know, when, we've agreed that when people ask us to be a part of a funeral opportunity, it is an honor. It is one of the greatest honors as a pastor to be invited into a moment. And so we take it extremely seriously. And yet my first experience doing a funeral. Oh, the Lord has a sense of humor. Um, my very first, at first I think a week or two as a pastor, uh, as a youth pastor, I was telling dad the other day, Um, a friend within our congregation had lost a loved one, and so I wanted to go be there for her. And so I walked into this huge funeral home, walked into a room, and I couldn't find Cindy anywhere. And I'm looking around, couldn't see her. I'm like, well, maybe sometimes the family takes a break and they will leave for dinner or something. And so I just began to walk around ministering to people, praying with people, talking with people, crying with people. And after an hour, Cindy wasn't there. So I'm like, well, I'll write her a little note. And so when I walked out, she walked out of the other funeral room. She goes, Pastor Dave? I'm like, Cindy? She goes, have you been in that room? I'm like, maybe. (laughs) How long have you been there? I've been working for an hour ministering to people. She goes, we're in this room. I'm like, all right. So I walked in that room, spent another hour, and shook my head. And uh, the first funeral I ever done was for my wife's grandmother. And it was... I look back, I don't know what I spoke that day, but I love my wife's grandmother. She's one of the few people in the world that I'm allowing to ever call me Davy. Do not call me Davy. You ever hear of excommunication? We will install it at this church. Um, but when I, I remember, I just overcome with emotion, finished the funeral, people were paying their last respects, and I needed to go kind of collect myself because I was just in a basket case. So I went to the bathroom, I'm washing my face, and I just look in the mirror, I'm like, David, pull yourself together, and then it clicked. I'm in the women's room right now. <laughs> and I got to get out of here before her brother, Ann's brother see me. As soon as, I, as soon as I walk out of the women's room, the three of them walk out and smile. I'm like, oh no. Oh, something's wrong with your pastor. I'm telling you. But when we talk about the idea of tears and we, you and I've had plenty of conversations over the years, um, what moments do you think of, when, when you think of the word "tears," I'm going to throw some questions at you today. When you think of tears, what moments come to your mind? Because we're talking about tears for the entirety of this series. Uh, at times of loss,
1: of course, yeah, at the passing of, of a loved one, uh, my, my first real emotional, deep remembrance was when my grandmother passed away and uh, uh, was at a, a funeral home in uh, Rogers City, Michigan. And uh, back then, in the memorial services, uh, before they would close the casket, they would uh, remove the family so the family wouldn't see the closure of the casket on the body. And, and for some reason, the family left, but I was left behind and I watched them close the lid on my grandmother and it was so overwhelming to me as a child to see. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was uh, burst into tears and emotions of, 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 of uh, maybe terror, a loss, and, uh, and then afterwards the family, how did we forget how behind when we left? Mm. Uh, th- that moment, uh, but I remember the emotions, the tears uh, that flowed uh, at that sense of loss. Uh, sadly, uh, in some homes, people have been uh, taught to suppress their emotions yeah. and to not allow their emotions to be seen. And uh, for tears to flow, But I think that in, in some families uh, there have been those that have been dealt a great injustice. Yeah. Because tears is part of our being. Hmm. Uh, it's part of God's being. He's emotional. Even Jesus wept. Yeah. Before he rose to the dead. Yeah. And so tears are not anything that we should ever be ashamed of. Uh, tears are true, and and tears Uh, are
0: avenues of communication um, that are very, very real. Yeah, I, I I read my dad this quote. There is, I won't use his name, but there is a famous TV preacher that made this statement. Grief and sorrow are dangerous things. I know that because a few months ago, God started uh, jerking the wraps off of them and unveiling their true nature to me in a startling way. He showed me that they're not the innocent emotions that we thought they were. They're actually spirit beings sent by the devil himself to steal, kill, and destroy. You may say, aren't grief and sorrow just natural emotions? Yes, they are. That's what makes them so dangerous. We've seen them as a natural part of life and we haven't even questioned them. And as believers, we've opened up the church door and let them right in. Contrary to popular belief, grief and sorrow don't come to help you. They've come to hurt you. They are deceivers sent for one purpose to choke the word of God out of your heart. What would you say to that, Dad?
1: (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) I don't think that Jesus, when he had tears, was wrestling with demonic spirits and nonsense. Amen. Uh, and uh, that's why any counsel that you receive needs to come from here yeah. and yeah. not the opinions of man.
0: Yeah, amen. I mean, let's be real, grief touches everyone. There's nobody in the room that you cannot be touched by grief. We all experience loss of health, loss of family, loss of situations i've known people to lose to grieve over lost friendships um the loss of of an age um and and we'll tell you when i turned that this is you know pastor you went through a rough life The, the day i turned 30 i went through a moment of grieving her parents i could hear them whispering should we go home she's like just leave him alone in his misery he's okay and i just sat with a hood over my head i'm like i have to grow up now and y'all, if you've been with me long enough, you know that has not happened yet. Um, but would you, how, what would you say to this, true or false? Grief is an emotion which is usually ignored by church because we don't know what to do with it. Would you say true or false to that?
1: I would say in, in some instances that there's truth in that. Uh, there are some things, topics, situations that we want to stay away from because we're unsure of how to wrap our arms around those moments, events, situations, and circumstances. But I think that the church needs to be able to confront the realities of life. I think Jesus confronted the realities of life, and because he did, we should. And whatever your realities are, Um, your reality is um, that which you are confronting and I think there's a biblical way that we need to be able to face those things together and be able to navigate through those waves, through those wind moments the storms of life and know that he is an abiding presence that
0: is with us always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Somebody had just, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, counselor, just sent me a um, an article video about a, a term you just utilized and consequently our worship team talked about when they were singing it as well and, and, and the waves and everything that grief comes in waves that there are these ups and there's these downs but they're like breakers that just kind of keep hitting over and over and over and, and how have you seen people deal with that in terms of I mean outside of you I don't know anybody who has, has walked people through grieving as, as often as you did in 33 years some some people put up walls.
1: Uh, some people go into denial. I think these are uh, means and ways of escape, but they're always they're still there. Yeah. And uh, we do not ignore our our realities. We have to be able to face our realities. Those those times of tragedies, those mm. unforeseeable things that arise out of nowhere in premarital counseling, I've many, many times shared with them about being prepared for the, the unexpected. Yeah. And the unexpected of life do confront you. You hear about things happening to others, but, oh, that'll never happen to me or to us in our marriage. Uh, but those realities do happen. Mm-hmm. And when they do uh, this foundation, this word of our life, this rock of ages is is that which stabilizes us, balances us, and sees us through those unexpected moments in life that uh, we had no way of, of foreseeing, and those sudden storms arise like it did on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples. But that abiding presence of God is that what sees us through those moments in life, those unforeseeable life events, uh, whether it's a disease, whether it's a family loss, uh, a financial storm, unemployment. uh, It's his presence that sustains us through that moment. And I learned many, many years ago, and I've preached this, the storms are temporary, but God's love is everlasting.
0: Yeah, that's so good. It's so good. Well, that gives me a really good segue into a subject that I wanted to ask you about because I don't, there's never been a point in my almost 25 years of ministry ever sharing a platform with you and talking about Daniel's death. Um, Daniel is my youngest brother, passed away. Um, April of 1982, so we're coming up on 40 years ago. And one of the things I would say that marked my life immensely and obviously marked yours, how, I mean, maybe you can even t- kind of take us back a little bit, but how How did the Lord's presence meet you in what I think is the toughest situation a parent could ever navigate? When, when the unexpected, when when that happens to other people, actually happens to you? How did you and mom, and I, I from a six-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, I watched, I, I navigated my own way, but watched you guys, but there's, there's some things that can be seen and interpreted, but what, what was it that brought you guys through?
1: You were six, Rachel was three. We were on our way to a young marriage volleyball event uh, you both were in the back seat. Daniel was in the front seat with us on I-75, about 10 mile, and he stopped <laughs> the breathing. Uh, in a panic, and, and it was bumper-to-bumper traffic, I, I got on the shoulder, was driving like a madman, and I just felt, get off at 10 miles, so I got off at 10 mile. There was an ER facility right there. We were able to rush in. Uh, Mom was praying. I was frantic Uh, they rushed him to William Beaumont Hospital Royal Oak we followed went through every red light there was and uh, not knowing what was going to take place Um, they took us up into the children's ward area and the next time I saw my son he had more wires stuck in his head than I could count and when church when they take you in a room and there's a telephone on that desk, and they say you can call anybody that you want. And they close the door. You know, it's serious. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I gathered the family together, and you remember, mm-hmm. in a little family circle around that table, and we prayed. Mm-hmm. Because prayer is the most effectual tool that we have in our Christian arsenal. Yeah. And this is what I prayed. Lord, as Abraham laid Isaac on the altar, we laid Daniel on the altar, either life or life. Church, at that moment, there was a peace that came through that room like I've never experienced since. It was supernatural, and there was a verse in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 that came to my mind. I had my New Testament in my back pocket, but this verse came to me, Hebrews 10, 35, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For four days we were in that hospital for four days, we ministered to other parents that were there with their children with minor circumstances that, uh, compared to what we were facing with, uh, Daniel's potential brain, uh, death. Um, and, uh, but God's peace. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the nurses, uh, saying to mom, uh, Oh, boy, your religion has really done something for you. She looked at her and said, it's not a religion. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I tell you, that's, that's the difference right there is yeah. his presence. When you've got his presence with you in your boat in the midst of the storm, there is a peace that passes all
0: understanding. Absolutely. And, that's, and that's, let me say something to parents. This is why mom and dad... You need to do more than bring your kids to church. You need to serve Jesus too. You, you, you need to serve Jesus because what I had told my, my parents years later was when I, I was just going through some trunk and found my brother's baby book. And when I picked it up, a notebook had dropped out, which I think mom bought some notebook in the gift shop, I think at the hospital, and just began to write down questions to God, statements, the details of what was going on. And what I began to read was my parents' faith. And that, that moment as a 15-year-old where the faith of my parents stirred up my faith. Mom and Dad, I'm telling you, do more to bring your kids to church. Have faith in Jesus because there's something about the faith of your, of your life. It doesn't have to be perfect faith. It's just simple faith. And when you trust in the Lord, it has such an impact on your kids. You may not see the immediate fruit in the moment, but be of good cheer. Keep on keeping on and keep trusting in the Lord. Because it was that faith that took place a decade before that's spoken in my life and to me, transformed my life as a 15 year old from that point on i remember diving into christ going after god i got filled with the holy spirit god called him in in the ministry and i look back at a mom's faith at at a grieving moment that ended up having fruit a decade and beyond later that's your faith is effective and it becomes a powerful thing in these moments um That's Something that has always really stirred me about the both of you is is he even hearing you guys share with others over the years on how, how the Spirit of God met you at, to me, the darkest moment. In that weekend,
1: God had given us such a peace. That's the only word I can use and I saw the grief and the horror in the eyes of my, my parents my in-laws and family members that came to see us and I, th- I think they looked at us kind of strange because we were not overcome with, with the terror of the potential of, of the possibilities of death of our baby he was 8 months old God had given us something mm-hmm. and I remember um, when the brain specialist took me in a room and sat me down and told me there was little or no brain activity uh, in in our child and, and basically he was brain dead. And I'm thinking to myself, I've, in the next moments I'm going to be having a family meeting with the whole family. And I've got to share with them the report of the doctor that basically that Daniel uh, was brain dead. I said, God God, help me to to communicate to them the peace that we have as I unveil this reality. And they gave us a conference room, the entire family was there. Just as we were going into the room, two of my cousins who were Lutheran came off the elevator, so I invited them in to be with us, they're part of the family. And the the atmosphere was so thick, you could almost cut it with a knife. There was just a tension that, like, we could sense. And as we began to talk, the Holy Spirit gave my wife's grandmother a message in And my father, the interpretation that talked about the healing streams that flow out of the throne of God. And I saw a transformation in that room in an instant as the Holy Spirit flowed through our midst like a river of healing and sorrow and mourning was turned into joy and celebration because of his presence. My Lutheran cousins, when we left their room, got on the phone and told the other relatives we've never seen anything like this you should have been there and it was incredible an incredible moment where god met us met the family in the midst of the storm and released his sweet peace
0: what is it about our tears that draws god closer it seems like sometimes in humanity that when we see somebody is grieving that we feel a little uncomfortable dealing with other people's grief. But I love the fact that Jesus is not uncomfortable with our grief. The Spirit of God is not quenched, pushed away by our grief. That when, I mean, my kids will tell you that there are times that, that, that we've had some, you know, okay, we're human. We have family fights every now and then. And if they, if they start crying, I'll go say, go sit on your bed. When you're done crying, you come back. Aren't you glad that God does not do that with us? He doesn't send us away. When you're done crying, then you come back and and talk with me because I can't understand you right now. God draws close to our brokenness. God meets us in the middle of our brokenness. He didn't wait for the hospital, them to walk out of the hospital. He meets them there. And the Spirit of God comes into that room and meets us at our greatest point of need. And that is it has always astounded me watching through the years. And we have seen it even outside of our family, working through families, couples grieving, uh, I mean, dire situations, to things for which uh, somebody has passed away at a great age. It was a very expected. We have still seen the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is always faithful. Always faithful. He has always known how to show up and when to show up and even what to say and what to do. Um... And yet at the same time, we've seen people walk through grief in numbers of ways. I mean, the process of grief, um, the stages are really, we, we, I think we'll put them up on the screen. Uh, There's stages uh, that are called denial, where you're shocked that, that the event has, has even happened, and you begin to just kind of protect yourself by denying things that have happened. There's anger, where you start lashing out at others, or you start lash, lashing out even at yourself. There's bargaining, things like, what could I have done to prevent this? Um, what if I did this? What if I did this more? There's depression, which is that darkness after a loss where it may feel like it stretches on with hopelessness, which, which always reminds me of the need of community. Um, I, you have said this to me for years. What would we do without the body of Christ? One of the greatest things I believe COVID has robbed the overall church is the idea of I don't need to gather with the body anymore. I'm not saying that to guilt anybody watching on live stream, but we have downplayed gathering together. And I'm telling you, where would we be without the body of Christ? We need each other. And the last is acceptance, which means we have accepted what has happened. It doesn't diminish what has happened, but... Where do you think people struggle the most when it comes to the stages of grief? I think there,
1: there are times that people, that they will isolate themselves, not realizing the importance of community in the body of Christ. And, and I love that analogy uh, that Paul brings out, that we are the body of Christ members in particular, and we are interdependent upon one another, the hand cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you, we need each other. And in these moments, we draw from one another, uh, encouragement, support, most of all love, because the greatest power in all the universe is love, because God is love. But we need one another, and we draw, and I believe that just as healing naturally flows from the body to the body, when there's an injury. Healing flows through the body of Christ, one member to another when it is allowed. That's why we need to be a household of faith, a community of connected believers who have a common faith, a common savior, a common comforter, a common source, a common uh, provider. And his name is Jesus. And we together can draw from his presence, his peace, his provisions, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever circumstance, situation, or life event that we face, we draw from his presence that dwells within one another. And the word says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Nowhere in the Bible does it say for you to trust people. But I've learned this beautiful truth. Find out the measure of Jesus that resides in the body of Christ, and that's the measure of trust that you can cherish and experience in one another. That's
0: so good. I love that you brought up community because my, my question to you was going to be when you walk people through grief and when you walk people through tears, what have been some of the common denominators for things that have helped? And I think community is such a big deal, which is why we want people getting involved in tables, people getting involved in serving with one another uh, through the years. It's, it's not always the people that I hung out with that, that helped me the most. It was those that I served with because there's just such a commonality that's there. Like when I look back at 40 years ago as a six-year-old, I remember so much from that year. And I don't know what it was, that, that moment marked my life, but I remember, I don't remember work people showing up. I remember church people showing up. Friends, people that that you guys taught in class, I remember Pastor Trask showing up in ministry. I just have distinct memories over people in the church showing up to that funeral home that I knew were connected because of the body of Christ allowing themselves to be the body of Christ.
1: It it was uh, a very powerful thing to see the body of Christ rally around itself, not just so much us, but the body of Christ interacting with with one another and when we were raised in a, in a beautiful church that knew the power of community and the unity because it's in the unity of the spirit that's where the anointing flows. Yeah, uh, Psalms 133 Psalms brings us out uh, yeah. and the head of course is Christ and as we're, we're in alignment with the head we are the recipients of the anointing drops that flow from the beard of our Savior onto the body of Christ when we're, when we are one as he is one, that's what he prayed. Yeah. We are the recipients of the provisions and the blessings that flow from the head. If we're out of alignment, we're going to miss those blessings. If we're not connected in community, community, if we're not united in our faith, in our purpose, uh, and in our doctrine, uh, We're missing out. And I wonder many times if we miss out in provisions and healings because we are out of alignment Mm -hmm. uh, in our thinking, in our disciplines, in in, in our activities. Mm -hmm. But I have learned that as we are one in Him, we position ourselves to be able to be the recipients of only that which can flow from Him, and that is His peace, His Mm -hmm.
0: presence. And his power it's so good dad that's so good um, tears to me has just been a powerful concept of god meeting us in that place of, of healing virtue and i love the fact that even in scripture this the scripture talks about because uh, we're made in the image of god and sometimes we we get to this idea of grief, and we forget that that god grieves and i wrote down uh, genesis chapter 6 the father grieved over the evil of noah's day John chapter 11 the son grieved over the death of Lazarus Lazarus uh, Ephesians 4 the Spirit of God grieves over believers said that when we grieve we are actually exercising part of that nature that we have been made in. And I love the fact that God doesn't just allow us, us to grieve, but he meets us in our grief. Psalms 56, 8, we read that, read that last week. He records our tears. Hebrews 4, he sympathizes with our weakness. Revelation 21, this is what I love. Revelation 21, verse 4, that at some point, that God will wipe away every tear from our eye. We can't ever stop ourselves from going through grieving or going through tears, but we can be of good cheer because there will become a day where tears will be no more. There'll be some day where the tears, and we'll preach about it next week, there'll be tears of joy, tears of excitement, and the pain will be no more. Death will be no more. But until then, we've got tears. And tears are something that I believe, I believe are a sovereign gift from God. In fact, you wrote a poem about that. Do you have that with you by any chance? Yes. Um, the last night that my
1: father lived, uh, I took some of the favorite hymns to sing to him. and He, was, he had pulmonary fibrosis, it was basically drowning in, in his own lungs. And uh, I sang these hymns to him, and he tried. I could see him mouthing the words, but the very last song that I sang to dad was Peace, Peace, Wonderful Peace. Mm -hmm. And I did not know that that was going to be the last song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just got home and got the phone call from my cousin Vinny that dad had passed, and we raced back to the hospital. and, And in preparation for for dad's memorial service, the Lord gave me the words to this poem. I think cammy has got it up there that we can read. Oh, I can't read that. <laughs> you can look behind you. I may, uh, I may have it up. There it is. And I, the title of this is Tears Don't Lie. Tears reveal secret things, heartache, sorrow, laughter, and love it's all right to let them bring a language of truth from above. There will be a day when eyes will be dry, for God himself will wipe every eye. In that land of constant hellos, we'll forget the words that say goodbye. Tears reveal the chamber of one's heart, that when love is true, It will never depart. Tears speak softly, so speak as often as you can. For tears are a language that God understands. Tears speak the truth, a window of one's soul. So don't ever be fearful to let them flow. Lift up your prayers and your face to the sky. Our Heavenly Father knows that tears don't lie. Mm
0: That's that's something I've heard you say over and over is tears are, you got a fan back here. Um, Tears are a language that God understands. That is, I think, a very profound, powerful thing for us to grasp today is tears are a language that don't, they don't lie. They don't fool anybody and they don't fool God. And it's okay to speak that language because God understands um, in fact, I wrote it this way that each emotion is an invitation from God to pay attention to your soul. And when we're grieving, grieving is not something that we should ever put off, that we can ever avoid. Because I'm just going to tell you, you, you could try avoiding grief, but avoiding grief is, is like just putting something in your pocket, assuming somebody's going to be the pickpocket and just going to take it away from you. It's going to be something you're going to have to navigate. But it's actually a gift for God to say, pay attention to what's going in. And don't just pay attention. Give me the invitation to come on in, in the middle of that. Secondly, the thing I also wanted to say was, don't let your tears of pain, heartbreak, and disappointment harden your heart. God knows. God cares. God heals. God restores. And God protects he understands your tears. God understood it in Genesis chapter 6. God understood it in John chapter 11. God understood it in Ephesians chapter 4. He understands what it's like to have a broken heart. And he says, I understand. Don't push me away. Invite me. And why? Because the presence of God is not a place for you to bypass your emotions. It's a place to process them. Don't bypass your emotions. Don't just don't disregard, I have heard for years, I've heard people say, well, well, Dave, you're a Pentecostal, you just give in to all of your emotions. I'm like, no, it seems that way sometimes. But no, the emotions are not a curse from God. I can prove from scripture emotions came before the fall of man happened in Genesis chapter three. Emotions are there, they are a gift, and they're there for us to invite Jesus in and to explore. For anybody in the house today that may be going through maybe a season of grief right now, maybe they've even pushed that off, to give them a last word, what would you speak into them? And so Emily, I'm gonna ask if you would just come and play. What would you speak into their hearts today?
1: When we are confronted with the unforeseeables of life, uh, we have a choice in our response We can either choose to turn unto the Lord and cast our cares upon him because he cares for us and we can get better or we can operate in the flesh and get bitter. I cannot give any stronger counsel than this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth Your situations, circumstances, and events will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The hardest thing I ever had to do was to tell David that his little brother wasn't coming home. And I remember praying, Harold, Holy Spirit, help me to help this six-year-old to understand death your soul and spirit leaving and I remember I shared and entrusted God for leading and sharing with you and prayed Linda and I both prayed so hard God give him the understanding the day after the funeral we were driving to church and there was a what I call a God wink moment yeah. Rachel looked over towards the cemetery where Daniel's body was, was laid and said uh, there's where Daniel is and David looked at Rachel and said yes but his life is with Jesus we knew at that moment God had given him the understanding that I could not explain that he understood to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. And the life of his brother that he loved so deeply was now in the bosom of Jesus. That was a special moment. Friends, whatever it is that you face, whatever unforeseeable that you may be confronted with in the future, the first thing you need to do is pray. Yeah. Give it to the Lord, trust in him, and open the door of your heart for the Holy Spirit to come in and to lead you with his counsel. Psalm seventy-three twenty-four says this, he leads me with his counsel. And afterwards, he takes me to glory. Another translation says, leads us to a glorious destiny. Friends, there's no counsel like God's word. And this is a word that is true. This is a word that is faithful. And this is a word that we can embrace in times and moments of life where our tears are most real. Because tears are a language that God understands. And his word is another language that he truly understands. And as it is written, he sent his word and healed them all. Yeah. Let his word be your source of comfort, counsel, and healing. Because that provision is made to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah.
0: Honestly, I knew, I knew this Sunday would be, would be obviously a heavy Sunday. You're talking about grief. Um, it's not a, some of those Sundays where we're going to laugh a lot in the service, but it's, it's the Sunday that, honestly, a lot of churches, we just don't talk about this on Sunday mornings because it's like, you get guests on a Sunday, you're thinking to yourself, do we ever come back to this church ever again? <laughs> this pastor's depressing. They're both dressed in black. What happened here? But we can't be afraid to not just talk about these moments. We can't be afraid to face the moments. And the beautiful thing about facing these moments is there's not one thing that you ever have to face and do it alone. You don't have to ever face it alone. The scripture says, He leads me beside the still waters. He doesn't send me there. He leads me there. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. Though I walk through the tough times, when I walk through the deep waters, He's there. And when I go through the fires, guess what? He's there. Psalms, uh, 23 Psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? He's there. He's there. He's there. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death with the Barringers almost 40 years ago, and he's still walking through it. He is here. And if you're in the place this morning, it may be this morning. You're a little upset at me. You're like, Pastor, I thought I put something behind me, but maybe this morning, you didn't put something behind you. Maybe you've just been delaying it. You have been bottling it up, and this morning you've been shedding tears. And I'm just going to tell you, you can blame Pastor Dave all you want. I'm a willing to take that blame. I'd rather you blame Hal. That would be much better for me. But I'm here, maybe today maybe today is that Holy Spirit wink that Dad talked about in the car with little David and Rachel in the backseat. Maybe this is the moment where the Spirit of God is tapping you on the shoulder saying, listen, it's time to stop navigating this by yourself. It's time to stop putting this off. I have seen your tears. I've seen them in secret. It's okay to share them now. They're not lying. Invite me in. Invite me here. Invite me in, Amen. and maybe.